0: Through the death of and resurrection of Jesus, we conquer the fear of death that has put dread in the hearts of so many men and women around the world. But we don't just celebrate a past event. We celebrate a life that is being offered to us right now. I mean, He is here right now. Just with that song. That song was that they just sang 40 years ago. Lanny Wolf wrote that song. You know, it just, it's, he's the same yesterday, today, and... Forever. And it's not just an event, but it's a source of power for every true believer. The power of Christ lives in us and vibrates in us and gives life to us. The power of sin is demolished by the same power that moved the stone, honey. (laughs) And I'm excited to tell you today that Jesus Christ is alive. And He conquered death and sin in the grave. And the tomb is now open. I love that word, opened. Amen? I don't know about you, but when I go past a restaurant, if it's closed, I don't like that word. I like the word open. Amen? I mean, open's a lot nicer than closed. <laughs> and that's the point. That's the point of Easter, resurrection of Jesus from the dead, is that God is in the process of clearing this world of all heartbreak. That's what he's doing. He doesn't want anybody sad. He doesn't want anybody broken. He wants all of us to be healed, all of us to be whole. And the opening of the closed tomb of Jesus is the first step of a campaign to throw open seven billion doors of hope for people who will trust Him. That's how many people we have on this planet right now. Over seven billion people. Jesus' crib and His miracle birth lighted. It lighted the sky with the star shining out hope. Jesus' cross where He opened His hand and has opened his fist like this and he took the first nail for each of us. He opened his hand for our salvation. Jesus is caved open with a shout proving the triumph of Jesus Christ and surely the implication of this Easter story for our lives today is this: when the door of hope, has been closed, and we are locked in a dark room of our fear, and we cannot see no exit for us and no entrance for God. The risen, reigning Christ is not limited to human doors. The great word of the resurrection is open. You know, when Lazarus came out, he came out wrapped in grave clothes, it says in John 11. Do you think he had to do, do you think? Don't you think Jesus could have set him free? At that point, He didn't have to have the grave clothes. But He wanted us to know what we have to do. Set Him free. Unwrap Him. Unravel Him. Because Jesus Christ must reign until He has put all of His enemies under His feet. And if you trust Him, if you trust Jesus, your enemies are His enemies. Isn't that awesome? And no door of disappointment will be able to close you up in darkness. None. And the open tomb proves that he reigns today with power and grace. We are forgiven. Say, "I am forgiven." We are sons and daughters of God. God took the worst possible situation, the death of his son, and turned it around for good and changed the world. That's why somebody wrote a song, "God turned it around." How many' ever heard that song? Turn it around. You can just, if you go to my wife's Facebook page, she posted it this morning. She was on that anointed chair. (laughs) Easter changed history. And more than his resurrection, it's still changing individual lives like me, like you. We need to recapture that awe. Christians need to recapture the sense of awe and wonder. We sang about the wonder and the explosive excitement that energized Jesus' followers when they saw His empty tomb on the first Easter morning. I thought about that today. I thought even about all my neighbors. When I was getting dressed in my bedroom, I was speaking to them through the window, (laughs) telling them dry bones to live. Amen? And don't forget the words Jesus spoke to Martha at the tomb of her brother Lazarus. In John eleven twenty five twenty six 26, in the Passion, it says, I am the resurrection and I am the life eternal. Anyone who clings to me in faith, even though he dies, will live forever. And the one who lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? I do. But I believe that uh, the resurrection is truly about God's grace, God's love, John 14, 16, Jesus said that He was the way, the truth, and what? The life. Thank you. And the truth is, we are saved forever because of Jesus. Jesus plus nothing equals everything. Salvation is by grace, not works. And too many even today think salvation by grace through faith is preached and still claim that God will blot us out, spew us out, or shout Depart from me if we struggle too much, too much. It's false. You're false. That's false. Here is God's liberating truth. God will never leave us nor forsake us. Hebrews 13, 5. He'll never leave us nor forsake us. Never. I was told when I went through counseling, you know, when I was being trained to be a counselor, you never use the word never when you're talking to anybody. But I said it's in the Bible because Jesus said that he never leave us nor forsake us. See no one it says in John 10:28 through 29 in the New King James says no one can snatch us out of his hand. No one can snatch him out of his hand. And even more we now have an incorruptible incorruptible love for Christ Ephesians 6:24. Indeed, we are secure forever at the right hand of God. I like what my wife said this morning. She says, she said it was not the anointing, it was not the cherish that she knows she's seated together. That's what that scripture says. Ephesians two six, we are seated together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Amen. The truth of the resurrection is we live under God's grace. This is a true resurrection reality. Galatians 4.4 in the New King James, it says, But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the law. Jesus was born under the law. His death on the cross was the dividing line of human history, bringing in a new everlasting spirit, covenant of grace. Hebrews 9.17. See, God never intended Jesus to be the next in line as a Levitical priest. No, his lineage within the tribe of Judah meant he was initiating a new priestly line altogether. And where and when there is a change of priesthood, there has to also be a change of covenant. And this means that our goal in the Christian life is not keeping the law in any form. No, we are dead to the law, it says in Romans 6.14. And in Galatians 5.18, because it says in Romans 10.4, Christ is the end of the law. Read your Bibles. (laughs) Christ is the end of the law for us who believe. Romans 10.4. So our source is the indwelling Christ, and our goal is to simply allow Him to express His life through us. Galatians 2.20. It's no longer I who live. Amen? Amen. Philippians 3.8. See, it's not the Old Testament law that is written on our new spiritual hearts. It's God's new everlasting spirit covenant. The covenant commands of believe and love others, even as He loved us, that are etched on the lining of our hearts. 1 John 3.23. And these commands are not burdensome to us. 1 John 5.3. And as we live from our new hearts, God's love covers a multitude of sins. God's love covers a multitude of sins. And therefore, our focus is not sin management. Our focus is not sin management. If that's all you're doing is managing your sin, you need to get into the new covenant. And realize that you're forgiven past, present, and future. Our focus is the great love of Christ. And as we fix our eyes on Jesus, on Him, He causes us to bear fruit. Hebrews 12, 2 and John 15, 5. Truth is, we have a brand new identity. Say, I'm brand new. God didn't come to recreate the old part. The old man, the grumpy old man. He didn't come to recreate the grumpy old man. I'm a brand new person. Old things have passed away. All things have become new. Many fear that too much grace will lead to too much sinning, but the opposite is true. God's grace is what inspires us to say no to sin and to live upright, godly lives. Titus 2.11-12 through 12 and Romans 6.14. I don't know if John's keeping up. He's, old. He's still back in John 15.5. When people claim that we can have too much grace, they see grace as nothing more than mercy and forgiveness when we fail. But there's way more to God's grace than just mercy and forgiveness. There's healing. There's deliverance. See, the grace of God is deliverance. The grace of God is healing. See, by God's grace, we were gifted with a brand new identity. How many like brand new cars? The Bible says you have not because you ask not. So if you don't have one, that means you're not asking enough. Come on now. What does the Scripture say? You have not because? you ask not, right? Man, I like new cars. I just got a new car. My brother bought me a new car. A brand new Hyundai Palisade. I drive it three days a week. I said if I'm going to drive all the way to Detroit, I'm not driving in this clunky, junky, Piece of garbage white Ford Transit van. I said I need a new car. I know it wasn't. I need a new car. He says, "What do you want, brother?" I said, "I want a new car, and I want one unlimited. I want it with everything. I want it to be able to drive itself." So he bought me a Palisade that's unlimited. Paid cash, forty-eight thousand dollars. When I put that thing on lane restriction and I put it on the cruise that, this is the new cruise now, don't, it's not the cruise that you guys drive in your, you know, 1920s. I don't even have to drive the car. Do you know what the car says to me if I take my hands off the wheel too long? Please, it goes ding, 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 ding. Please put your hands back on the wheel. It knows. I took my hands off the wheel. So now I outsmarted my car. I put my knee there. So when I want to open a bag of chips while I'm driving, it don't know any different. My car says, when I've driven too long, it says, says, consider a break. And it's got a little picture of a coffee cup on the dash. Consider a break. That's what the car does. You've seen those commercials on TV with those Buicks, right? You don't even have to parallel park. You just push a button, stand there and take your hands off. And that thing just parallel parks Right in that little hole. You know, and everybody thinks you're a genius. They have no idea that your car can parallel park itself. My car, this car that I drive, has more sensors on it than China's guy Rice. That's just a... uh, That thing can do anything. When it snows hard and the sensors get clogged up, it won't let me do anything. So I've got to stop the car, unclog the sensors, so it can pick up where it left off. But we become fundamentally different at the core of our being when we are born of God's Spirit. I'll say it again. We become fundamentally different at the core of our being when we're born of God's Spirit. John 3.16, 1 John 5.4, it says, As a result, we didn't just have righteousness imputed or credited to us, we also had righteousness in life imparted to us through new birth. Having a new identity. Remember, you're a brand new person. Say I'm a brand new person. It means that we don't have to try to kill ourselves. Got a lot of Christians saying, I gotta got carry my cross, I've got to kill myself. Just read Galatians 2.20. It's a done deal. Galatians 2.20. I have been crucified with Christ. I no longer live. The life I live now, I live by the faith. By faith. And the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So if you're crucified and dead, why do you have to keep killing yourself? We are new creations, and new creations don't need to die to self. Instead, we need to recognize that we are the new self. And consider yourselves to be dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. And we don't vacillate back. Some people think you vacillate from flesh to spirit to flesh to sp- No, you're in the Spirit. That's what the Bible says about you. I'm just quoting everything from the Bible. i got a Scripture for every statement that I say today. Because we are new in Christ, we are not oscillating back and forth. One moment in the flesh. Not- Believers always abide in the Spirit. John 15, 6. Believers. Our newness in Christ also means that our rightness with God is real, not fake, or simply God's view as He tricks Himself. We are the righteousness of God here and now. Mason, I can, I can scream louder than you. <laughs> we are now the righteousness of God here and now. 2 Corinthians 5.21 You got that one, John? Thank you. For He made Him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. And we enjoy perfect closeness to God because of our union with Jesus. First Corinthians 6.17 But He who is joined to the Lord is one Spirit with Him. We can't get any closer one Spirit with Him in God's will is that we know Jesus and express Jesus bearing the fruit of the Spirit in our destiny as new believers, new identity in Christ. Resurrection truth. we really can live from the heart. And of course we still, um, just listen, are you still, are you hearing me? We still can commit sins. But the source of those struggles is not our spiritual self, but instead the flesh and the power of sin that tempts us. But these influences, Influences which lie outside of our new spiritual self seek, seek to distract, tempt, and accuse us. But guess what? They're not us. It's not who we are. How many's ever made a mistake or sinned after they knew Jesus? If you didn't ever, don't, if you don't raise your hand, we're gonna have an altar call. Amen. <laughs> See, the messages they deliver to us are much like an out-of-date software trying to run alongside some brand new hardware. The key is to know who you are, what we really want and what will genuinely fulfill. No matter what thoughts or feelings we might get, we need to recall that we have a new, obedient heart that wants God all the time. That's what your heart wants all the time, it wants God. Romans 6.17, Philippians 2.13, And this way we can live from the heart, not merely from the head, where we get our thoughts from many different sources. Truth, another resurrection truth I want you to hear today, we've been forgiven of all our sins, past, present, future, once, say once, for all. Our forgiveness is not doled out in portions or installments. We don't have to ask or beg or wait for God to swoop down from heaven and polish off one more time when we commit a sin. No, we have been forgiven of all our sins. You know how hard that is for the human nature, the human mind. When you make some, when you make a boo-boo, huh? I mean, we, we. I don't know about you, but a lot of times in my life. When I make a boo-boo, I go into a big confession thing. I start trying to make deals with God. And God says to me, I don't even know what you're talking about. I don't even remember your sins anymore. I forgave you of all your sins. Because Jesus said on the cross after He was crucified before His resurrection in John 19.30, He says, it is finished. And although admitting our wrongdoing is healthy, but trotting out laundry lists of sins before God doesn't make us more forgiven because we are forgiven because of the blood, not apologies. And this means that the Lord's Supper can be a true celebration done in remembrance of Him. Not in remembrance of our recent track record. Our total forgiveness also means that we don't have to fear the final judgment. God remembers our sins no more. Amen? I don't know about you, but boy, I have to keep reminding my default mindset that wants to flip on me all the time and tell me, you're no good. I says, you lying devil. That ain't my thought, and I ain't taking it. I don't want it. You go down the street. It could be around me. So we can have confidence about the day of judgment because according to 1 John chapter 4, 17 through 18, we are safe. As safe as Jesus. How many know Jesus is safe? You are safe too. Another truth is, Christ is our life. He's the centerpiece of our life in Christ. Knowing and expressing Jesus not changing. We don't have to chase after health and wealth or any particular spiritual gift. God has given us a promise of great contentment in Christ. You already have the fullness of the Godhead dwelling in you. Colossians chapter 2. The fullness. So you're like that Italian sauce they made years ago. You're prego. You're full of it. His presence, His glory, His power, His forgiveness, His healing, His wealth, everything He is, you are. It's Christ in us, the hope of glory. And you can take that one step farther. Christ as us. Expressing Himself through us. See, the riches we have are spiritual in nature and they're found in Jesus alone. Ephesians 1.18 and Philippians 4.19 Jesus Christ is our life. He's our everything. And truth says, He always sets us free. And all these wonderful revelations beg the question, will we return to the countless religious distractions crying for our detention, our attention, or will we even in the face of rejection from others, stand outside the gates of lifeless religion and enjoy God's truth that sets us free? Amen. Another resurrection truth is we died to rule-based religion. I like that my friend has a church in Texas. You know the name of the church? Is The Church Without Religion. I mean, just having that title is a good message. Because everybody says, what church do you go? I go to church without religion. And I'll bet you $100, I'll bet you $1,000 not everybody in there gets it. And not everybody in there probably believes it. And I bet you there's people in there that are not perfect But the Bible says do not handle, do not taste, do not touch. We might instinctively think a rule-based approach is a way to fight against sin. But when we opt for the do not approach, we fail to recognize God's way which is identity plus freedom. Knowing our true identity allows us to be ourselves and say no to sins. If you know you're a son of God, what are you going to do? Act like a son of God. Amen? If you know you're a daughter of God, what are you going to do? Act like a daughter of God. You think the daughter of God sins? I don't. You think a son of God sins? I don't. It's got a different different identity. But if you think you're just still a sinner, guess what you're going to be like—a sinner. But I don't think that way no more. I don't do any more sin management. I'm not even sin consciousness. I'm not sin conscious. I'm not even devil conscious anymore. People say we got to fight these devils. I said, no, you go ahead and fight. I'm done. I resigned from that that assignment. I told a whole group of intercessors that last week, who wanted to fight all the spirits in the in the whole. Over the whole, you know, Cleveland area, they said we're gonna we're gonna have a prayer meeting. We're gonna fight all the spirits. I said, I'm not coming. I'm not. I, I resigned. That's not my ministry. The Bible says in First John three eight that Jesus Christ, the purpose He lived was to destroy the works of the devil. Now, if He can destroy the works of the devil better than me, I think, Amen. And if He needs my prayers to make it happen. I think we're doing a lot of stuff that we don't need to be doing. But that's okay. They can do it. I still love them. Amen? Knowing our freedom from law-based religion allows us to trust our union with Christ and not to be tempted to employ fleshly effort. God did all this for us so we could wake up every day and just be ourselves. How I many like just to wake up and be you? That's why Jesus died. That's why He rose again from the dead. So you can just be you. Truth. Be yourself and express Christ. Remembering who you are. James chapter 1. You got that one, John? James 1? Where are you at? Okay, James 1. That's 1.23. Okay, that's good. You got it. It says this, For anyone who is a hearer of the Word and not a doer, he's a man observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he is. Do we want to be doers of the word? I do. How about you? Anybody here doesn't want to be? That's okay. Just let me know in about five years how that's working for you. Let me know how frustrating it is to try to solve life without God. To try to solve life without Jesus. Especially when you face big circumstances, you know, where you can't get anything except to pray. See, Jesus tells us the only way it's going to happen is we look into the mirror. How many know what this is? This is the mirror. Your Bible is your mirror. And if you want to know how you look in your mirror, you look beautiful. God always says you look beautiful. When you Don't look at that other mirror in the bathroom. You know, you'll start laughing. Especially when you turn seven, you start looking. <laughs> but you look into the mirror of God's Word and discover who you really are at the core of our being. Jesus died for our sins. But there's more to the message of the Christ cross. We died with Jesus. And then we were buried, raised, and placed in a spiritual union with the resurrected Christ. And through this process, we become fully compatible with the indwelling Christ. Because God made us a perfect fit for Jesus. Say, I'm a perfect fit. There's three people in here a perfect fit. The rest of you are not. And this is how we believers are the only ones on the planet who can be ourselves and express Christ at the same time. Because in Christ... I can't believe Jenny sang that song. I can't believe she got that song from the Lord because I wrote out my sermon. In Christ, we receive His rest. The best is His rest. He restores us. He guides us. He never leaves us. He protects us. He is our future. Jesus made everything right. And we are complete in Jesus. I always tell people, I've got, got something for you that will make your life change forever. On the inside of your eyelid, right In Christ, we always win. In Christ, we always win. Why do we win? Our sins are forgiven. And there are major differences between the law and grace. Law prohibits, condemns, says do this, do that, do this, reveals sin. But grace redeems and says it is time. Can you say with me, it is time. Can you say with me, I am forgiven. Past, present, and future. Amen? And I enjoy life forevermore. Psalm 103. I. You can read it in the Passion, I'll tell you. It just talks about all of our benefits package. He says He heals all our diseases. He forgives all of our sins. He rescues us and saves us. He crowns us with love and mercy. He satisfies our every desire. And He makes us soar as high as eagles do. I shared this good variety with my, you know, driving back and forth to Detroit with my brother. We always have these hawks flying around our, as we're driving down the freeway, i you know, 75, and, and then uh, the turnpike. We got, first we started off like three, four hawks, you know, for the whole thing, and then we're up to 25 hawks we see. And my brother says, what's your thing with birds, brother? My brother, what's your things with birds? Why do you, why are these birds around us? It's just because I like birds. He says, well, we got all these hawks. He says, I want to see an eagle. I says, okay. Let me put my, I'll go home and put my request in. Three days later, we saw an eagle. My brother said, I'm a believer now, Mike. Not only did we see an eagle, we saw the nest. Not only did we see the nest, we seen the babies in the nest. And it was right by the Sandusky River that we even saw the eagle swoop down, grab a fish, and take it up to little kids. So, God is able. Amen. He makes us soar again. He makes things right because He is our defender and He works for us. He's kind, tender, harder-hearted, and He's always faithful. Always. Say so He is faithful. And guess what? Guess what? He's patient with you. Especially when we fail. He doesn't want to give you any condemnation. He's not a condemner. He's a restorer. He's a lover. And His love is like a flooding river. And we are flooded with His love. So don't forget today when you leave here. Remember all of His benefits. Complete healing, complete love and kindness. See, the language of God's kingdom is gratitude, righteousness, love and power. And we are living in the new covenant. Amen? We are living in the new covenant. It's a new life. It's a new way. It's a new identity.